0: Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are higher, little changed after the S&P 500 index capped its longest stretch of monthly advances since 2014. It begins the new trading month with an up-day S&P 500 index. Now at 2,099, advancing two points, up one-tenth of one percent. Dow Industrials up 9, a gain of 0.1%. NASDAQ up three points, a gain of 0.1%. Ten-year yield, 1.84%. Gold down 240 the ounce to 12.15, a drop of two-tenths of one percent. Crude oil up 11 cents, 49.21 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude, a gain there of two-tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pellet. thank you so very much. It's time now for the ETF report brought to you by Eck Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Target tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit vanek.com muni. Vanek, access the opportunities. For our ETF report, we turn to our own Catherine Cowdery. Crude oil has wrapped up its longest run of monthly gains in five years, advancing for four straight months. Oil has surged more than 85 percent since touching a 12-year low in February. Yet investors in oil ETFs haven't seen the same returns. Here's Bloomberg intelligence analyst Eric Belchunas.
0: We've been talking for the last two years about all the flows that have gone into oil ETFs over the past years. It added up. It's about $26 billion of people trying to call a bottom in oil. Well, obviously, oil is rebounding this year. You know, the lottery ticket has come in, but unfortunately, a lot of the ETFs that were being used to try to play the rebound in oil have lagged spot.
1: Beltunas uses the United States Oil Fund ETF, or USO, as an example. It's up 9% so far this year, less than half the gain of spot oil.
0: The reason is because USO doesn't track spot oil or a barrel of oil attracts futures, and you have to maintain the position, and there's roll costs. We get into the weeds here, but it's a complicated situation, and those roll costs Uh, corroded over time.
1: And that's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery.
0: You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Kind of a mixed day if you look at the economy and the big reports out today. Auto sales looking not so hot if you're a big three auto maker. But U.S. manufacturing looking like maybe it's not doing so badly in May after we got the ISM's manufacturing survey. So where are... Are the markets going and where should we all be putting our money? That's we're going to ask our next guest, Scott Collier. He is chief executive officer, CEO, chief investment officer and CIO at Advisors Asset Management, more than $16 billion of assets under management, usually in Colorado Springs, Colorado. But he is here in our New York studio today, home of uh, Bloomberg 1130. So welcome. Thank you. So what is your sense right now, Scott, of the stock market? A lot of people are worried about valuations stretched. Earnings have been weak, and they don't look like they're going to get a lot stronger. A time when, sure, you can buy stocks, but you have to buy them individually and very carefully. What's your view?
0: I think my view would be more traditionally that the more people worry, the better I probably like the market. I tend to be a little bit on the uh, uh, value side of things maybe. Uh, I, I think consensus might be a bit... uh bit off here. If you look, uh, I think at 30,000 foot view, the environment is very good for earnings to grow in the future. We had a bit of a a dollar headwind last year. We don't have that this year. Actually, I think that becomes a little bit of a a tailwind. I think the consumer, if you look at them, they may have not bought as many cars in April, but they're still buying cars at close to a record rate. Housing market looks to be picking up. Consumer credit is growing. I think we have a very healthy consumer. They're about 70 percent of U.S. GDP. I'm very comfortable probably where the markets are. And I think that the so many people are worried it makes me actually feel better about it
1: is, is the Fed on your radar screen or would you just say hey they could even raise rates two more times this year doesn't make any difference
0: well I wish the the Fed was more on my my radar screen than they are i think uh, if if they were threatening to uh, to raise rates uh, four times a year, uh, that would be better for us. That would mean that we would have actually upward pressure on earnings we would have upward pressure on wages, and it would give them a reason to worry about slowing us down right now they're still worried about speeding us up so we're just kind of trudging along and I, I think the Fed is going to I don't think they're going to do anything to upset the apple cart, maybe one raise this year. But quite frankly, 25 basis points, I don't think anybody cares.
1: Now, you said you look for value, and one of the – sectors that you are in favor of right now is energy. Is that because you say it's so beaten up and the bottom is in now? Is it time to buy?
0: Well, it's not a timing call so much as what we've done is we've destroyed all the investment to find more of the stuff that we're de- depleting on a daily basis. So uh, what we're not doing is we've, we've laid all of our rigs down. We're not looking for any more. So quite frankly, if you have any growth in demand which we're actually seeing growth in global demand we're not finding any more we're actually sowing the seeds for the for the next upward push in oil prices. Do I think the bottom was put in? I tend to think it's put in, not because we hit $26. I'm not an expert in the oil industry, but what I do see are term structures that are going from a sharp contango, which you're you're bidding for storage, to more of a well-supplied market but a more balanced market. So uh, I, I think the concern even that OPEC meeting is going to have tomorrow, they're not meeting because they don't know each other and they want to get to know each other. They're meeting because they're all concerned that they want to support higher prices
1: you like industrials and manufacturing why
0: i do because they do well when we have economic growth and i think the the environment in the united states as well as europe and in asia is very friendly to economic growth at this point in time
1: financials banks big banks medium-sized banks regionals what
0: well i think regionals are better than big banks big banks are quite frankly quite overregulated and they, they you know they don't have really the earnings power they used to their more of a financial utility. So if you're talking about financials in the United States, I would pick the regionals over over the large banks.
1: Precious metals, gold, different oh, precious metals, silver? <laughs> yeah,
0: those are they, they've actually done quite well after a a very long bear market, so maybe 4 or 5 years. They commodities really have been the worst performer if you look at the the chart of best performing uh, parts of the market and worst performing commodities have been on the absolute bottom for the last 4 years commodities do well when we see growth when you see growth in demand they tend to do well gold and silver may have a different they may they're almost treated as a different class than than commodities even though I would argue they've all pretty much bottomed together uh, gold is, is also a currency, and it's a currency that's universal. And when we see central banks buying them in huge amounts like we do now – everybody's trying to weaken their own currency. What do you think? I think okay. gold might not be a bad place to go. all
1: right Scott Collier, of course, as I said, you're CEO at Advisors Asset Management. You're based in Colorado Springs, and you have a very global outlook. Uh, you have a global over-allocation, China, Japan, Europe, emerging markets. Let's start with Japan. Okay. I'm really focused on them today. You know, the prime minister decided, he, you know, he put up a lot of red flags, and yes, they're not going to raise their consumption tax. They've done that in the past a couple of times and pushed their economy into recessions, but you like Japan, why?
0: <laughs> well, Japan is, is a, a, great amount of value, but they've been a great amount of value for quite some time. Very cash-rich uh, companies that trade in in Tokyo, and they trade it at at very low multiples. So to the extent that Abenomics could produce any type of growth whatsoever, we think there's a, a tremendous amount of value in the Nikkei.
1: And do you think that's going to happen? Is it going to produce growth? Well,
0: I do believe uh, that they will keep trying until they get it. One of the You know, if you're talking about delaying the the consumption tax by two years, that is only one step that they've they've taken. Obviously, they are they were kind of the first to go into the uh, negative interest uh, rate area after after the ECB tried it. I'm not really sure that that's going to produce growth, but once again. If you're a business person, globally, there's never been a a more easy um, environment for you to try to grow business.
1: Okay, let's try to hit on a couple more of these real quick here. You like China. I and do. how would you invest there? How do you invest there?
0: Well, I'm not I'm not quite uh, <laughs> brave enough to to wade into the uh, the red chips. So we would stay uh, uh, in in the hang saying that you know this is the hong kong market these are the shares that are are legally tradable outside of uh outside of china and they tend to be the the biggest of the blue chips and i i think i would stay uh, in that area, if I were going to try to ch- uh, trade China.
1: Okay, and let's see what your emerging market picks. You've got Latin America, Russia, and India. Latin America broadly, Mexico. Brazil. Yeah, so
0: well, Mexico is a is a good example, but you always you tend to buy Latin America and and emerging markets when they look the worst. But I would tell you that there is something going on in 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 latin america where we're having a change in governments we've had a change in the argentine government we're now having a change in the brazilian government the uh the president has been impeached and she is now out for six months trying to defend herself uh but also in bolivia they they refuse to uh to uh, uh rewrite their constitution to allow for a third uh, uh term of presidency and you're also seeing well you know Venezuela fall apart right in front of us. So I I would suggest to you that the new governments are more pro-business. This is a time you tend to want to buy those markets. We expect an upturn in global growth and I think they benefit from that.
1: Ten or fifteen seconds. Do you like Russia?
0: Well Liking Russia or not liking Russia, I think Russia Russia's economy is very much tied to commodities. So if I like the commodity story, I tend to like the future of Russia. There's more political risk there, but I would suggest to you that you're probably being paid well to take the risk.
1: That's what I meant. You like investing in Russia. Thank you so much. Scott Collier, great to have you on the show today. Thank you, Kathleen. CEO, Advisors Asset Management. Colorado Springs is his base. He's in our New York studio today. I'm Kathleen Hayes. This is Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio.